So can you see that's like a really easy thing to encourage people to come to? And when they're there, you can have more conversations, build more trust, build more likability. It works really, really well. So what we're talking about is creating a steady stream of traffic to your door. And it's your door because it's your event and it'll have your branding and your company name and your images. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal about automation, getting leads, retargeting, and sales funnels. You know, the stuff that'll actually make you money and doesn't empty your wallet. Get valuable, actionable information from me and other experts in the online marketing space, which will boost your business beyond its current boundaries. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hi, Clive Maloney here again. Welcome back to another episode of the Get Real About Business podcast. First up, if you are new to the show, and this is the first episode you've listened to, a big thank you for being here today. I really appreciate that. And if you've come back here after listening to the show before, well, big thumbs up to you. This show is all about teaching you how to be better in business. It's about looking at the things that you need to do in order to grow your business, to get more leads and sales in your business, and ultimately achieve success however that looks for you. I like to make these episodes as practical as possible. These episodes are based really like a, a mini teaching session, which works well for me because it sticks with what I know. My background has been sort of 20, 25 years coaching and training um, and uh, helping small businesses out uh, so that they can earn more money and achieve the lifestyles that they're looking for. In the last episode, we talked about your money blueprint. We talked about the different money personality types that you might have and how that affects your business. Today, we move on from talking about you as in an individual and talk about an activity that you can do to grow your business. And that is about starting your own networking events. Now, back in episode five, we looked at networking for introverts. So this is where I gave some tips and some ideas around what you can do to network at events and groups that you might go to. So whether that's the BNI, Chambers of Commerce, or whatever you do, if you're new to networking, you may want to check that episode out. But today's episode is a little bit different. We're going to be looking at starting your own networking event. Rather than go to somebody else's event where you can go meet other business owners and people that might be able to give you leads and referrals, what I'm talking about today is how you create your own event where you find people in your target market or people who know your target market and you bring them together in one place. You are the head, you are the chairperson, you are the host, the sponsor and you run the event, and people will know it's your show. Now, this has a lot of advantages to appearing at somebody else's networking event. And we're going to dig into what that is and how that works in a little bit. As always, I've prepared a cheat sheet to accompany this episode. And today's cheat sheet is pretty damn good, even if I say it myself. In today's cheat sheet, I break down a lot of the stuff we talk about today, but what I've done is put together an agenda and a set of notes that you can follow to create your own networking group. And I think you'll find this really useful. I've been networking professionally for maybe five, six years now, and I've tried a lot of stuff and a lot of things have worked and a lot of things haven't worked. And I've learned a lot of lessons. And what I've done is put together the notes that I would use, a sort of plan for how I would tackle starting my own networking event. Now, at the moment, I'm not running my own networking event. In fact, I'm an area leader for a networking organization called For Networking. So I actually run their events. But what I'll be talking to you about today is how you can start your own event. 
And really it's based on all the different things that I've tried, the things that I've liked and things that I haven't liked. So if you want to get your hand on that cheat sheet, what you need to do is to go to my show notes page, which you'll find at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 10. And if you go there, you'll be able to download the cheat sheet and you'll be able to pick yourself a copy up. So it includes things like meeting agenda, team roles, things that you should be doing and things you should be doing, that kind of stuff. And I think you'll find it really, really useful. So go ahead and pick that up. It's at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 10. But before we dig into how you go about creating your own networking event, let's just talk about why you might want to do it. Well, you probably realize that networking is a great way of meeting people who might be your potential customers or people who have access to your potential customers. Networking isn't just about selling to people in the room. It's also about accessing their networks so that you can sell to their networks as well, so that you can leverage the power of people. And if you get yourself on the internet, you'll probably find, I don't know, maybe a dozen groups in your local area that you can go to and be part of. And that's great. It's worked very well for me and it works well for a lot of people that I've worked with in the past. One of the great things about networking is that it allows you to build deep relationships very quickly because you're one-on-one with people and you get a chance to meet them, find out about them and build likability and trust with them. And that's really, really important. So when it comes down to networking, there's three ways that you can get involved. One is that you can go and be a participant and that's fine. Another is that you can take on a leadership role within that networking organization. So usually it's run by organizations. Sometimes it's run by individuals, but usually it's like an ongoing event run by a company and they encourage members to get involved in the leadership team so that they can help to steer and grow the group. We do that in For Networking, the group that I belong to. And as I said, I'm the area leader there and they have a number of different roles. And you'll find the same at the BNI, which stands for Business Networking International, and many of the other bigger groups that you'll find. So you can get involved as a participant or you can get involved as a member of the leadership team. And the third way that you can get involved in networking is run your own event. And the reason why you might want to run your own event is simply the amount of kudos you get from doing so. When you get involved as a leadership member, that raises your profile. You have an active role as a leader within the group. And people notice that. When they see you as a leader, they see you as an influential person, people have automatic trust for you, or at least more trust than they would have otherwise. So it immediately elevates your status. Now, when you run your own event, well, that raises your status even higher. Everyone knows it's your event. And when they come to your event, you are the one thing they have in common. So they tend to talk about you a lot. And that's good because we want people to notice us. We want people to notice our business, what we're doing. And you can be in the limelight even without selling to the room. Just hosting your own event raises your profile considerably. And of course, what this is all about is not just raising your profile, but generating leads and sales for your business. If you can find a way to create a steady stream of traffic come to your business, or in this case, your event, then that gives you an opportunity to get to know them, build trust and credibility with them, and ultimately bring them into your sales funnel and get a purchase. Not everybody who's going to attend your networking event will buy from you. But what it will do is bring a stream of traffic to you so that you've got the opportunity to let them know what you're doing and how it works. So running your own networking event is really, really smart. 
And one of the things I often talk about, which is an idea I got from Michael Port, is something called you'll always have something to invite people to offer. And the idea there, again, it's something I took from Michael Port in his book, Book Yourself Solid. I'll put the link to that in the show notes page. So what he says really is that if you've got a platform where you're bringing people to on a regular basis, and it's a lot easier inviting someone to something like a networking event rather than come to you for a consultation. That's a step further down the road. Whether you run your own event or you just go to a local group, getting someone to come along with you to a networking event is a good first start because that's where you can have a conversation with them. And then, of course, you can take that on to perhaps a one-to-one meeting or a consultation a little bit after that. Running your own networking event gives you, you'll always have something to invite people to offer. Whenever you meet someone, you can say to them, how's things going? Are you looking for more business right now? Well, I'm running this networking event and you share a little bit about them and you invite them to come along. It's no sales pitch at all. It's just an opportunity to go meet other business owners where they might pick up business. So can you see that's like a really easy thing to encourage people to come to? And when they're there, you can have more conversations, build more trust, build more likability. It works really, really well. So what we're talking about is creating a steady stream of traffic to your door. And it's your door because it's your event and it'll have your branding and your company name and your images. There's three things that you need to do with sales. You need to increase traffic. You need to reduce resistance to the products or service you're offering. And you need to increase the perceived benefits of getting hold of that product or service you offer. So this is certainly going to tackle the first one there, which is around creating more traffic. So let me tell you how we're going to handle this, what we're going to go through, what I'm going to cover. First things first, we're going to take a look at the things that you need to get right, right at the beginning of things. You don't want to be plunging into stuff, setting things up and then realizing that you've got a problem later on. So we'll start with some of those practical first things you need to consider. And then after that, we're going to start looking at the practicalities. So here I'm talking about the venue, the cost, the administration, the things that you need to do in order to run a regular networking event or a group. After that, we'll talk about your leadership team. While you can run a networking event completely on your own, it's a good idea to get other people on board as well. And you can get those people from the meetings that you run. I'll talk to you about who I would include, what kind of roles they will take on, and give you some tips around getting the most from them. So that's your leadership team, and that's going to be really, really important. And then after that, we're going to talk about how you launch your group. So that big first meeting, you want it to go off like a big set of fireworks. You must make an impression. There tends to be a fair bit of work leading up to the first meeting, but it is worth the effort because it puts you on the map. And if you get that launch meeting right, in fact, I would do a series of three launch meetings. If you get those launch meetings right, then you will create your core membership for the group going forward. And then you are on the map, so to speak. Following that, we'll look at growing your group. So once you've got your group launched, how are you going to grow it? And that's as much about retention of new members. And then finally, what I thought would be really good is if I spend a bit of time with you talking about what I would do and how I would run a networking event. And this is where that cheat sheet comes in because I've really laid it out there for you really, really well. And so I'll talk you through what I would do, how it would work, and some of the things that I would set up and have running. So that's what we're covering today. So let's get going with this. Now, one of the first things to think about is who you want to attend. Now, you may want to make room for a very wide category of people, but there are some things to consider. So if you think about the types of people you want there, what kind of meeting would they want? And what would be convenient for them? 
And what I tend to find is that for most business networking meetings, a lot of businesses prefer it in the morning. Because if you set your meeting in the morning, they can go to that first and then they can get in the office and get on with business afterwards. What you don't want to do is pick something that's smack bang in the middle of the day or in the middle of a work period for them that's going to interrupt them. Because usually they'll be in the middle of something first of all and then they won't get away. Then you'll get a lot of cancellations. On the other hand, what you might find is if your target audience is predominantly women, and let's say you really want to target mumpreneurs, so people involved in business, but they've got a busy home life, and they're really looking to run their business, perhaps it's a multi-level marketing business or something like that, and they're looking to run it on the side. That kind of people will more likely suit a midday meeting, so like a lunchtime group. Why? Well, by that time, they've got all the kids sorted at school, and then they can use the middle of the day to concentrate on their business, And also, it's quite nice to be networking at lunchtime. It's quite social at that time. So having a think about the types of people you would want and when would be right for them is the first step. The other thing you want to think about is what do you want people to feel when they come to your networking event? Do you want people to feel like it's kind of a relaxed event, go and hang out, chat with your friends, kind of a really relaxed social event? Or do you want people to see it as more of a formal business meeting? So that's the kind of thing you'd see more uh, Business Networking International. Maybe for you, it's somewhere in the middle. You don't want to be too rigid. You don't want to be too structured and too formal. But you also don't want to be so relaxed that it feels like it doesn't have much of a format. You have to pick what's right for you. What I have noticed is that people tend to spend money when they're enjoying themselves. And that's why you see a lot of business done in pubs and in golf greens, because people are having fun. But it's up to you. A good place to start is just to close your eyes for a bit and think about yourself in that networking event. What will people be doing? What kinds of stuff will they be saying? How will that meeting be going? If you were there, what would it look like? And then what you might want to do is just spend a little bit of time jotting down some ideas about how you want that to look and feel and what kind of experience you want people to have. Let's talk about some of the practicalities. There's a lot of things that you need to get right and sort out. The first thing is where do you want to hold it? Now, if you've got your own office or something like that and it's a suitable place to meet, well, that's great because you can get people to come to your place of business and again, that raises your profile. Otherwise, you're going to need to go out and find yourself a venue. Hotels are good options or conference centres. They always have places to meet. They're used to providing food and refreshments. But the downside is they tend to be a little bit more pricey. And again, that's okay. One of the things you want to think about early on is do you want to charge your members? It could be a free event. If that's the case, any costs are going to have to be borne by you. I've also seen a lot of networking events that charge a very high ticket price. I would consider that £100 and up. That's always an option, but you're going to have to be sure that you can get that in front of the right people. A lot of people won't pay top prices like that. But those that are prepared to pay for that sort of networking event, well, they generally have money, and they're generally good people to network with. Not necessarily because they're better as people, but more because they're not counting their pennies all the time. They are successful already, and sometimes other people's success is a way of rubbing off on you. But you've got to be confident that you can get in front of people like that if you want to do it. So as I say, hotels are an option for you. Other options are restaurants and cafes. They're great because they have space. They're used to providing food and refreshments. And what you might think about as well is finding restaurants and cafes where they're not open in the mornings at the moment if you're looking, for example, to go for the mornings. 
And then that way you can approach them and say, look, you know, I realize you don't open in the mornings. If we could bring people to you on a regular basis, that could provide you a new income stream. They could either charge you for the venue or they can charge you by the meal. It's entirely up to you. Local authorities, big companies, they can also be good options because, again, they have meeting places. What you want to do is, first of all, sit down and decide what is it you want from that venue. So for me, if I was going to run a networking event, well, I'd at least want refreshments. I'd want some kind of breakfast because I would probably go for a morning event rather than a lunchtime or an evening event. And then what I think you want to do is decide the exact format that you want to run your meeting, when you want stuff, what you expect in the menu. And then you can go and approach the menu and say, look, I'm looking to run this networking event. It's going to be a regular thing. We bring business to you every week, every fortnight, whatever you want to do. And this is what we need from you. This is a much better, more practical conversation because you already know what to ask and you can give them a clear brief as to what to expect. And then later on, if you haven't sorted that out, sometimes what you can find is that you get in a bit of a muddle with the venue where you both have different expectations about what's to happen. So clarity with your venue is really key. And what I'd encourage you to do is to sit down, work out what you want from your venue, and then go visit, say, 10 different venues and see what they have to say. Do not settle on a venue. If you think the food isn't all that, if you think it looks a bit grubby, the toilets aren't clean or the staff aren't well turned out, well, you want to ditch that because it's an important part of the experience that you offer when you run your networking event. So these are all things you're going to need to work out. You need to consider your costs, what you're prepared to pay for the venue. And you want to think about, is this going to be an event where perhaps you just charge people the costs for the venue and the refreshments Or are you going to charge for a membership fee? So you're going to ask people to join as members. And then probably what you do is charge a regular fee, say £10-£15 for the breakfast or the lunch, whatever you're providing by way of food for the venue. And then you take their membership fee separately. Again, you can decide how you do that. Is it going to be a monthly thing? Is it going to be an annual? Most networking groups ask for an annual meeting fee. What they're doing for networking, which I think is great, is they're offering a 200-day deal as well as a 365-day deal. And then if you've been a member for a while, they allow you to switch to a month-on-month basis. Different pricing options around your memberships can help. And I like the 200 days because as I say to people when they come and try for networking out, I say it's a great place for you to start because it's long enough for you to try it out and see if it works for you but you're also not committed for a full year like they ask in most networking groups. So I like that 200 days. If you go down the membership route, again, you don't have to. I tend to think it's a good idea because that way you get people committed. But if you do go down the membership route, you want to think about some kind of welcome pack when they join so they feel like they're getting more than just access to your meetings. So you might, for example, give them opportunity to come for you as a visitor perhaps once or twice and then choose to join or not join after that and when they join yeah you want some kind of welcome pack and things that i've seen include like name badges business card wallets notebooks pens or any other paraphernalia that you can think of so decide what that welcome pack will look like i like the idea of giving name badges It does make the introductions a lot easier when you're out networking because immediately people can see your name and then start using it. Again, decide what that'll be, work it out, price it out, sort yourself out a venue, and you need to work out when this is going to run. 
What day of the week is it going to be on? And is it going to be weekly or fortnightly or maybe even monthly? Weekly and fortnightly meetings tend to work best. When I was in the BNI, we did weekly meetings and that was fine. Currently at Four Networking, we're doing fortnightly. For me, that works a little bit better because I, I feel like I'm getting a bit of a break between. And because Four of Networking have meetings all up and down the country, I can go to different events and I'm not just restricted to fortnightly if that's all they've got. With a venue, you agree your start times, your close times. And you, what you want to do as well is agree a time in which the doors open for visitors, but make sure that you can access the venue, I would say an hour before, half hour minimum. But you want to get in there first so you can set up to properly welcome your visitors, that everything is set up and organized before your visitors come and your members come. So that's really important. Other things you might want to think about, do you want to use referral slips? Thank you notes for when people have passed referrals. Do you want to track what's been passed? I kind of think you can take things a little bit too far. BNI, for me, they've really gone down that route of tracking everything. And they have what they call a traffic light system where they rank each individual on what they're providing and how many visitors they're bringing, how much money they're making, all that kind of stuff. That's useful data, but a lot of people find it a little bit overkill. You have to find the balance that's right for you. Now, what you don't want to do is to run the meeting completely on your own steam. Having actively been involved in leadership teams on various different networking groups, probably for around four or five years now, I've come to realise that it's a lot of hard work. And that work and that effort is worth it if it's bringing a steady stream of clients and traffic to your business. But it's a lot easier when you've got some people to help you with that. So you want to think about who are the people who are going to help you. And I would consider them your leadership team. So for example, you're going to want to get somebody who's going to deal with the money. In Ford Networking, we call it a group coordinator. You can call it the group administrator or the treasurer, whatever you want to call them. You want them to take money in the door, to pay for the venue, possibly sort out the membership fees. It's an important role. And I would definitely separate that role from the person hosting the meeting. Now, that might be you if it's your event. You could host and you could lead the meeting throughout. You could chair the meeting. Or alternatively, you could get somebody else to chair the meeting. And you might just have a little spot where you stand up and do a speech or a presentation on one thing or the other. If you're trying to take all these different roles on, you'll find it very difficult actually having a conversation with anybody because you're juggling so many balls. And invariably, things will get missed. So if I was to run it, I would definitely have a treasurer or a group coordinator to handle the money and I would have them deal with the bookings and also send out reminders a few days before the event to let them know about the event still coming up, they're booked in, are they still coming? And maybe instead of putting doubt in their mind by saying are you still coming, maybe you just phone up and say just need to check what you're having for your breakfast or for your lunch or whatever. Here are the choices. Don't underestimate the importance of doing that a few days before because that will have a massive impact on how likely people are to show up you'll get far less no-shows by doing that checking. So that's the person I would consider a group coordinator. Then I think you need a group leader. It could be you, but it doesn't have to be. And they are the person that introduces and presents the meeting. They keep things on track and they make sure that the agenda is covered according to whatever schedule you set out. And you do want to schedule, so you want to set that out before you start your meetings. And I would go so far as even to script that entire schedule. So you want a meeting agenda and I would have a whole script that you have the group leader go through. Now that kind of person really needs to be very confident 
It needs to be dynamic, positive, and reliable because you want them showing up all the time. And of course, they've got to be good speakers. They've got to sound confident. So if you find somebody with lots of confidence, they're probably going to be good. Your group coordinator, on the other hand, really needs to be somebody who's more detail-focused, but also organized and friendly. They're probably going to be the first person that somebody sees when they enter the meeting because you want to get them booked in first of all. So you want to choose carefully who's going to do that. Two other roles I would include. One would be a visitor host. Now, this is something that they've been doing in BNI for quite some time, and uh, 4N have recently introduced it. That's 4Networking. And basically, they have a special role in welcoming new visitors into the group. I'll get them to give new visitors a call before the meeting and just say hello, answer any questions they've got. And then when they come into the meeting, then they bring them into the meeting. They show them where things are, explain how it all works, and generally looks after them throughout the meeting so that you haven't got somebody wandering around feeling lost and and not sure what to do. So they'll introduce visitors to different members and make them feel comfortable. So that would be the visitor host. They need to be chatty, need to be warm, friendly. It helps if you've got a good sense of humour. And they're the kind of people that if you're at a party, everybody would talk to. They're always at the centre of the conversation. If not being talked about, at least being involved in conversations because they're just chatty individuals. So that's the visitor host. And the other person I would have is some kind of group mentor. Now, I've never seen this done at any meeting. I think it would be a great thing to include. You see, what we know is that for any networking event, it's really important to bring an influx of new people to your event all the time. Finding visitors can be somewhat hard work. It's not desperately hard, but you have to keep working it. So really what you want to do is not just be working on bringing new people into the group, but also making sure that people stay as long as possible. The group mentor, if I was to run an event, I would have somebody there who would be there to educate new members about how they can get the most from their membership, perhaps help them through the membership form if they were about to join. And then I would have them touch base with all new members, perhaps four to six weeks after joining, just to check that everything's going well and help them out with anything they need. And then from time to time, you'd have them check in on different members, uh, particularly, say, between four and two weeks prior to the renewal date, you get them to get in touch again and say, look, your membership renewal's just coming up. I just want to check that you've got that in hand. Is there anything you need right now? Now, these people need to be natural leaders, they need to be friendly, and they need to be organised. So that would be the fourth leadership role that I would include. Now, you will find other leadership roles. I know 4N has a marketing coordinator's role, and their role is to bring visitors into the group. And that's a role that's come in and gone and come in and gone, because it's a role that hasn't really worked very well at 4Networking. And what they're doing at the moment is they're phasing out the group marketing role And they're bringing in a new area marketing role who covers a whole area of groups rather than an individual group. Whether that will work, I don't know. My view is that I think everybody in the team needs to be contributing to members. And one of the things I would be doing all the time is checking in the debrief, and I'll talk about that later, checking in the debrief that everybody is contributing there. And I would expect all the leadership team to be contributing by inviting people to the meeting. So that would be one of my caveats. I suppose the question you've got to ask yourself is, why would anybody want to do this anyway? It means extra work for them. And yeah, it is true. But getting involved as a member of the leadership team, as I talked about right at the start of the show, is what it does is it raises your profile. And let's say, for example, you're the group coordinator, and one of your roles is to contact someone a couple of days before, making sure they're still coming. Every time you give one of your members a ring, 
you're creating another touch point. Each touch point creates a stronger and stronger relationship. People get to know you and like you. And I found that's quite a good thing as well. If you're a little bit uncomfortable at using the phone and you know you need to get a bit better at it, it will make you do the work. and It will make you get in touch with people. So I love that. Being involved in the leadership team raises your profile. You definitely want to explain that to people. The other thing that I think would be really good to do is to reward your members for being participants in the leadership team. Some organisations do this and some don't. I actually think if you're getting somebody to do something, then it's good to make it a contractual arrangement in which you have certain expectations that they must fulfil, but in return, they might get some extra days on their membership. And instead, you can do the same thing as well with regular members and bringing visitors into the group. So 4N do this as well. It's a smart move. Every time that a member brings a visitor to the group, if that visitor joins 4N, then they are given 30 days on the membership. And you could offer something similar. I really like that idea. So what you've got is if you get people involved in the leadership team and maybe rewarding people for bringing visitors as well, those people in the leadership team never really need to pay for their membership again. So they kind of get their networking for free. You might still say they have to pay for their breakfast or their meal or whatever, but they get their membership extended while they remain members of the leadership team. And what this will do is it will give them incentive to keep up with the role. There is a tangible reward for them getting involved. But what you don't want to do is settle on who those people are. You don't want to start your meeting until you've at least got your group leader and your group coordinator. Other leadership team members can come on as part of your visitors who come into your meeting and they join. So when they join, you can then have a conversation with them about getting involved in the leadership team. But you at least want a couple of people to get going with you during that launch phase. Don't settle on who they are. If they're not performing when you do get them in, then you want to get rid of them as quickly as possible. It doesn't have to be personal. It doesn't have to be rude. It's just not a good fit. And so you have that conversation and you get somebody better. So that is your leadership team. And really, it's the leadership team that drive the whole group. So it's not just you, it's the whole of the leadership team. And one of the things you want to do is make sure that at the end of every meeting, there's some kind of debrief where you look over what went right and what went wrong on your event. And if not a debrief at the end of the meeting, you want a touch point between meetings so that you can keep people on track and assign any actions. The leadership team is what drives your networking event. Right, well, let's talk about launching your group. So once you've got your team in place, you know how the event's going to run. And you pull together some kind of agenda. You've got yourself a venue. They're ready to go whenever you are. Rather than just announce a date and then go out and get people, what I think works better is if you put a provisional date in so that you and the leadership team have something to aim for, but don't release the launch date. What you want to do is go out and invite as many people as possible to your new event. And you say, we're going to run this new event. It's going to be on a Wednesday. It's going to be every week or whenever it's going to be. It's going to be this massive thing and we'd love you to come along. We're going to firm up the dates in a little while. As I say, it's going to be on a Wednesday. Can I count you in? And really, you want to get something like a dozen people to sign up before you even announce the launch date. And once you've got that dozen people or whatever it is, that means that it's a workable event on those numbers. You don't want to start your first meeting with four people in the room. That'd be a bit of a disaster, wouldn't it? So when you've hit your initial quota, that's the point at which you announce your launch date and then you go crazy inviting more and more people and you might want to double, triple, quadruple, whatever that initial number is. But you get as many people to the event as possible 
and you're going to get a whole leadership team on it and you make it some huge concentration between you and the leadership team because it must go with a bang. What I recommend is that you run three launch meetings. The first meeting you announce as soon as you've got that core number and then you go on your regular basis after that. So it might be a week later, two weeks later. Run those next two meetings as launch meetings. And in the launch meeting, you might spend a little bit extra time there than you would do normally talking about the benefits of getting involved in this group, what it will do for them and how it will work. And what you want to do in those launch meetings is give them an experience that's going to be somewhat similar to what it's going to be like when it becomes a regular event so that people know what they're buying into. If it's your launch meeting, I would give them a special deal to get going. So you reward those early people for getting involved and you create a sense of urgency. When I launched the four networking group in Thurrock, uh, I think it was about 18 months ago now, we set ourselves a goal. We wasn't going to announce the date until we had 12 people agreeing to go on there. And then we ended up with something like 32, 34 people in the room when we launched. For the size of the venue, that was great. And we had a really good atmosphere. That first meeting, everybody who went either signed up or they agreed to go to the next launch meeting to try it out for the second time. None of that would have happened if I hadn't had the leadership team around me. So you want to get them on board and you want to drive them. Now, once you passed your, say, third meeting, you can consider yourself, hopefully by then you've got decent numbers, you consider yourself properly launched. And then it comes very much down to business as usual. So there, I think what you want to be doing is really focusing on providing a great event. Make sure that your leadership team are all doing their roles properly. You don't want to be carrying anybody. So I would have the leadership team arrive early to every meeting, get everything set up, give them a great experience. And then I like to do a debrief at the end where we talk about what are the things they should have done? Have they done it? What worked? What didn't? What do we need to change for next time? And maybe set some core actions for individuals and get their commitment for what they're going to do between meetings. I would definitely concentrate just as much on retention as I would on gaining new members. I love the idea of rewarding members for bringing visitors and I would reward them with something like a 30 days uh, extension on their membership for doing that. Now, a lot of these ideas, I freely admit, I've stolen from BNI, for networking, the Lead Generation Club, all different things that I've done in the past. So they're not necessarily new ideas, but they're stuff that works. And this whole thing about retention, as I say, it's really, really important because you will have a certain amount of churn where people don't continue with you. And some drop out quite quickly, actually. There's been a lot of people that I've seen who've joined, they've paid the money, and then they've gone to like maybe one or two meetings after that, and then they've not turned up again. What's up with that? They've just paid their membership. Well, unless you've got somebody checking in on them during that early stages of their membership, then you're never going to know. And if you had them doing that, there's a good chance they would continue. And more importantly, what you don't want to do is lose people at the end of the membership because you've forgotten to follow up with them. This is why I like the idea of having a group mentor, somebody who is going to look after that member or look after all members throughout their, their journey and educate them how to get the best of the networking group. And if it was me, and if I was running my own event, I would probably take on the role as the group mentor. If not that, then I'd go for the group leader, but probably the group mentor, because what that does is it gives me a reason to meet with people. And then when I've met with them and I've helped them out with their networking, if the time is right, then I can get them to talk about how I could help them as a business coach, or whatever it is that you do when it's you doing it. And one of the things I promised to do today, and I want to do that now for you, is to give you a rundown as to what I would do if I was going to run a networking event. 
Now, this isn't about recreating a wheel. This is about taking the best bits from different things that I've seen, maybe one or two things that I've not seen, like the group mentor role, and pushing that together. So here's what I do, and I'll give you the rundown. And this agenda is in the cheat sheet. So if you want to get hold of that, then uh, again, I'll remind you about the link later. I'm going to assume this is a morning meeting. And here are the things that I would do and the order that I would do them. Uh, and the first thing is that I would have the leadership team arrive in the morning early and I would, I would actually start the meeting from eight. I would allow members to arrive in the morning at eight, but I would expect the leadership team to be there an hour early. And that way they can get there. They can make sure all the tables are set up properly. Hopefully the venue's already done that from them, but often you arrive and things aren't quite as you would want them to be. So I'd get them to put out their banners, put out any leaflets, get joining forms ready. I'd have nameplates printed up and ready to receive members. Your meeting coordinator would have some kind of registration desk where they book people in and take their money. Set all your tables up and you probably want a place to uh, allow people to put their own bump and paraphernalia, so leaflets and business cards. It's a great idea to put a table out where people can all put that there. And that way, what you don't get is people moving around from person to person, shoving leaflets in their hands. And that's just really quite uncomfortable. So if you put a place out for it and encourage members to do that, then that's a much better way of doing it. So I would have the leadership team arrive an hour early and they'd set everything up. And you want everything to be perfect for eight o'clock when all the members would then start to arrive. Now, the reason why I say an hour early is that even though if you tell them that doors open at eight o'clock, you'll still get people arrive earlier than that. You can leave them out in the car park if you want, but at least if you've been there an hour early, there's a good chance that you'll still be set up and to re receive early members if you need to be. So the doors would open at eight and I would just have open networking at that time so they can get themselves booked in, grab themselves a coffee, and then I would get them sitting down about 20 past eight for their breakfast. 25 past eight, I'd be looking to start the meeting. There'd be some kind of welcome and introduction. That would be by the group leader. Um, and what I like to do, and again, it's something I've taken from 4Networking because I think it's great, is to get the group leader to mention the other leadership team members. And that's just a, a way of raising their profile again. And also, if you've got any gaps in your leadership team, you can briefly announce it then and say, look, you know, we've got a gap at the moment for a group mentor. If you want to get involved in leadership teams, great way to raise your profile. Come and speak to me at the end. So that's a welcome and introduction. That happens at 25 past eight. Half past eight, I would then start the 60 second round. And you know what this is. That's that bit where everybody takes turns to stand up and say a little bit about them and what it is that they do. You generally want to keep people to that 60 seconds and have the group leader be prepared to shut people up and to stop people if they're going on too long. But what I would do is give first-time visitors two minutes if they want it. Not all visitors will want that extra time, but if they want it, I would give it to them. So I'd allow around 20 minutes for that. It depends on the size of your group. The next thing that I would do is get people to set up some one-to-ones. For networking, the way they do it is that they have three 10-minute one-to-ones at the end of the meeting. I would have two. What you get them to do is to swap their business cards with the person they want to go and have a meeting with. So you get people to get two business cards out, number them one and two, and then go and swap a number one with a number one, a number two with a number two. That way they set up their meetings. Um, so I would do that. They get everybody to book their appointments. That would be about 10 to 9. I'd give them a bit of a break. And then after that, I'd come back and have some kind of presentation. Now, if it's your event, this is the place where you want to be speaking. 
I don't like the idea of selling in this time. I think it's a good idea to use it as a way of educating people, sharing uh, an interesting story, or talk about a field of your influence. The idea is to give people value, make it interesting, and it gives you an opportunity to raise your profile. Now, if you don't want to do the presentations yourself, you can get members to do it. And a lot of networking groups give members a chance to do that. Not everybody wants to do it, but I think it's a great thing to do. So I would definitely have some kind of presentation round. Then later in the meetings, I would then set it up for having two 10-minute one-to-ones with the people that they've chosen. They'd all, first of all, meet. So the number ones would meet. They'd have a 10-minute chat about themselves. You remind them before they go to the meeting. It's a two-way conversation. Um, and so they need to swap around halfway through and, and talk about the other person. Now, at the end of the first 10 minutes, you want to stop everybody and move people quickly onto the next 10-minute round where they meet the second person that they chose to meet with. Now, what's a good idea is that you can't always do this on a launch meeting, but on normal meetings, it's a good idea to make sure that you've got a member of the leadership team meeting with every one of the new visitors. And that way, in that second one-to-one, then you can use that as a, an opportunity to talk to them about the membership and answer any questions. Coming to the end of the meeting now, and probably around sort of 12 minutes to the meeting to be precise, I would then run a show me the money round. And this is where I would go around one-on-one and get people to stand up. They can pass referrals, so I'd have referral slips available, or they can pass thank you notes for business that has been done. And if they haven't got that, I would get them just to stand up and say something positive about the meeting. I think it's great to end a meeting on a really, really positive note. And one of the things I'd do is as the next person gets to stand up, I would get everybody in the room to raise their hands if they're doing or have done business with them before. And that way, in a moment's glance, anybody can look around and see who's getting the business. And if they're thinking about, say, getting their website done and there's a web designer in the room, then they can see who's done business with them and they can go and ask them, well, how did it go? So that's great for people wanting to suss out different individuals as to whether they would be worth working with. But also what it does is it creates a certain amount of social proof that you've got a number of people in the room that have been doing business and it's been successful for them. So it's really, really positive. I'd do that. I'd get people to raise their hands if they've done business with them and then get that person just to quickly give any referrals, say thanks or say something positive about the meeting. So I think that's a really strong way to end the meeting. And then after that, you just want a few final words. Talk about the membership options uh, if you haven't done so already. Um, and then you want to bring the meeting to a close. So that's what I would do if I was to set up my own networking event. But it's up to you. You can run things however you like. And that's one of the great advantages about running your own networking event. For me, I'm currently content as an area leader for full networking. And there are other platforms that I tend to hang around in. And so everything I've shared today is really hypothetical. But what I hope it's done is given you some ideas about what you could do. If any of this seems like it's a little overwhelming and you're thinking, how am I going to remember all this? What I've done is put together the crib notes for today's episode on the cheat sheet. And on that cheat sheet for today is the agenda that we talked about with the timings. I've written descriptions for what I do with the leadership team. And also made a list of do's and don'ts for how you run your networking event. To get your hands on that, just go to my show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 10. So this is where I lay down the gauntlet. Have a think about running a networking event for your company and for your business. Get other people involved and make it your always have something to invite people to offer. If you do this, it will provide you a steady stream of people coming to your business 
or coming to your event at least, to find out about you and what you do. And at the same time, they're meeting other people, so they're benefiting from you straight away. It's an opportunity for people to gain new business from you, through you, and with you. This is what I love about running your own networking event. Everybody is a winner. But that's all we've got time for today. We're going to be back next week with another episode. And in fact, next week, I'm really, really excited because we've got my first guest speaker. We're going to be talking to Gary Price. Gary Price is a health practitioner and he's run several multi-level marketing businesses. So he's learned a thing or two along the way. We'll be looking at what's working for him and you're bound to pick up a tip or two. So come and join me on the next episode. If you've loved this episode, or even if you haven't, I'd love to know what you think. So if you get a moment, do me a favour and pop onto iTunes and leave an honest review. I'd really appreciate if you did that. Until next time, I've been Clive Maloney. Here's to you and your highly successful business.